0: the truth news network a former president dismissed a reporter's question with the rubric well you've never been judged by the color of your skin the reporter's response i just have who do you think took the heat on that one you can figure that out This is where we are. But as individuals, no one has to be there. Each of us can think critically and come to our own conclusions regardless of the mass-think mentality. And that's the truth. And we're TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman.
1: The kicker to that story is what Pete Moss just shared. We have to make choices. We have to make decisions. Are we going to believe the drivel that comes out of the mouths of everybody on the left just because they're supposed to be important and in the loop and knowledgeable? Or should we tackle the task ourselves? Oh my gosh, you don't have time for that every day. Well, none of us do. And I mean, this is what I do professionally and I don't have time to go dig and find everything by myself. So what do we do? We find some places and some people that we can look to, listen to, and think through the things about the major topics, finding ways to dig through the drivel and find facts, and then we draw consensus and put everything out on the table and then pick and choose the, those things we can determine are truthful and throw the other stuff in the garbage can. There's no better way. There's no way it's feasible to even deal with that unless we not only find facts, but ditch the lies, the pontification, all of the politicization that has often very little to do with the truth. Well, 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 <laughs> we're in the second part of early December, Christmas month. How are you doing? How was your weekend? I hope you had a good one. I hope you were with family and friends, and I hope you didn't get caught up in worry and fretting. This is the month of hope and the month of peace. Work hard this month to speak good things into your own lives and the lives of others, people that you love, people you integrate with, that you're with on social and work bases. Friends, this is a great time to do it because there's not much unity between many people on the planet today. Divisiveness is the tool, the principal tool the left uses across the spectrum of circumstances of everybody's lives to push us apart instead of do what this president promised he would do. If you elect me, I don't want to be the president of Democrats. I don't want to be the president of Republicans. I want to be the uniter and the president of everybody great talking points, not much of that showing up in the Biden administration, is it? Well, we're going to dig into a lot of good stuff today, but I want you to listen to a brand new song that my nephew wrote and recorded, Dez Duran, Next Christmas.
2: Christmas snow. As much we used to
1: so exacerbated by circumstances as is the Christmas season. In fact, most people, they relate parts of their life, big, important parts of their life directly to things in their past that happened in and around Christmas. Some good, thankfully, most of them good, but some are bad. So just keep that all in mind as you go through, walk through, deal with Christmas And everything about Christmas. I guess one way to look at it is uh, it's better to celebrate Christmas even if it's not the most positive time of year for you this year than to not be able to accept Christmas. You know what I'm talking about. We haven't assumed room temperature. We're still kicking. And that means we've got another chance to make things good in our lives. Well, if you look around the landscape of the world... And if you look around the landscape of the United States of America, and whatever country you find yourself living into today, things aren't really good circumstantially. Fear seems to be creeping up in a more surreptitious way than normally. Fear will do that, and in some really nasty ways. We're going to dig into some of that this morning. I guess one of the nastiest things that happened over the weekend, this committee that decides the top four teams that will meet to determine the college football championship this year, they really messed up. They really did. Undefeated conference champions, Florida State, the Seminoles, got left out of the top four. Undefeated. And they play in a good conference. They play really good opponents. Uh, Prime example for us, year in, year out, LSU has always had one of the most powerful, most successful college football programs. Florida State, they beat LSU in Baton Rouge the first game of the season. Now, that doesn't speak much about LSU, but it really speaks that LSU that ended the season on a very high note Yeah, they lost a couple of games, but no football team in America, year in and year out, plays a tougher schedule than does LSU. You can argue all you want to. The West and the Southeastern Conference is, year in, year out, the toughest football conference. And Florida State, they just pulled into Baton Rouge and thumped them. And then they won out. Florida State did their season and won the conference championship and did not get a shot to be one of the four however Alabama Alabama lost the game opening game of the season Texas beat Alabama and then Alabama did win out they they won the SEC conference championship against their arch rival on the other side the east eastern division of the south Eastern Conference, they beat Georgia over the weekend. They lost a game this year, as I just told you. There's no way, there's no way. And Georgia, by the way, was undefeated going into that game. Now, remember, that game on Saturday, I just told you, Texas beat Alabama. So Alabama comes into that game on Saturday They played Georgia, who was undefeated, (laughs) and just because Alabama was the current big game winner, the committee picked Alabama to be in the top four and left Georgia out. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I never have. There needs to be uh, a group of people that understand football, that understand college football, and that are not big financial supporters of college football teams at big universities around the nation, but a bunch of people that understand and know college football. How many coaches got to vote on who was going to be in the top four? Zero. People that don't really know a lot about football decided who's going to be among the four. Now forget about the money that goes along with that. It's millions of dollars to the universities that get to go there. There are all kind of benefits that go along with it. They're football players. They, most of, are already in the bullseye of the NFL teams that want to grab them up in the draft, the upcoming draft. That's okay. University's going to get a lot of money. But what about those players on those teams that got left out? How many player names do you know on the Florida State Seminole team? But if they had been in, and they should have been in, I'm not a Florida State fan. I'm not at all. But I'm a football fan. They should have been picked. They should have been picked. And you know over who? Alabama. Oh, no, Dan, you can't go after Nick Saban. Never been a Nick Saban fan. Never have. And his team lost a game this year, by the way. Florida State didn't win. We could go all day and all night about it. I just think that was one of the big travesties of the weekend. Yes, there are a lot of more important things in college football. I acknowledge that. College football, to me, is a good diversion to get my mind off some of the nasty, bad stuff around because we're sure hearing a lot about that. And you're going to hear a lot about that in today's show. Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House. We exchanged texts over the weekend. He told me to tell you guys, hello, he's doing good. Pray for him and his family. They're going through some really wicked stuff. Much of it unwarranted. All of it political. (laughs) I guess when you get in Congress and then you become the House Speaker, Speaker of the House of the U.S. Congress, you're in the bullseye. You're a target for everybody or almost everybody. Just whisper a prayer when you think of it, Mike and Kelly Johnson and their family. I would appreciate it. I know they would too. And for those of you listening in this part of the state, Louisiana, pray for him anyway because he's your representative. If you are in the fourth, live in the fourth congressional district in northwest Louisiana, he's our guy. You may not like him. You may be a Democrat. You may disagree with that. But my brother made a very salient statement years ago about this very thing. He said when I go to get on a jet and fly somewhere I may not I may have seen the pilot I don't know the pilot but I've seen the pilot and he didn't impress me and I'm not too crazy about him. I want him to get me to the next def- uh, destination. So I want him to be successful. We need to say that about our political leaders. We need for them to f- to succeed. After all, when they succeed politically, normally the American people do. It's not always about beating your opponent up in a political campaign. It's about leadership. And many of those in D.C. forget that. They forget the fact that the people that elected them did not elect them to beat up on their political opponents in Congress when they get there. They're elected to represent the people that voted them into office in their respective states and congressional districts. That's the total of what we expect them to concentrate on. Not about making money, not about scoring brownie points, and not looking for the best deals around that you can cash in just because you sit in one of those 535 House and Senate seats in the U.S. Capitol. Work for the people. I can honestly say, Mike Johnson is doing just that. He is under a tremendous amount of heat and every one of the big issues of the day that you can even think of some that you may not know about. I may not know about. He lives on the hot seat and he knew he was going to be facing that if and when he became the speaker of the house. I had that conversation with him on the air on this show, as a matter of fact, and When that change happened, when Kevin McCarthy got voted out as House Speaker and everybody was saying and looking for who's going to run, who's going to run, all those Republicans that put their names up there, they couldn't get the vote. On this show, I asked Mike Johnson, would you consider putting your name up to be considered to be Speaker of the House? And he immediately said, no, I I can't. I said, why? And he said, two of my best friends— have already announced, one of those is Jim Jordan from Ohio. Everybody knows the work that he does. And the other is Steve Scalise, who is from South Louisiana and also a very good, long-serving member of the House of Representatives. And so I asked Congressman Johnson, if these two guys drop out or don't get elected, would you consider it then? And he said, would you pray with me about that? I'm not going to say yes, I'm not going to say no, but I want to be able to make the right decision when it comes up, if it comes up. And sure enough, three days later, that exact thing happened. Sometimes good things happen to good people. But sometimes things that we're hopeful will turn out good aren't necessarily what we thought and wanted them to be. We just got to do the best with what we got, period. And that's in every part of our lives. On today's show, we're going to go to Israel. I have found a source for real news, daily news, objective factual news, coming out of Israel, the Middle East, not politically, but actual give us facts, give us news, just tell us what's happening, and, and don't pontificate on why why you think these people are doing that? And are these people evil and the others need to be destroyed and totally done away with? Let's don't get into that. There's plenty enough of that to go around. In just a minute, you're going to hear what's coming out of this source, this news source from the Middle East. And you're going to want to make that a permanent fixture until we get this whole skirmish, war, whatever you want to call it, resolved over there. But first, over the weekend, Congressman Johnson, uh, they really got into the seriousness and the current status of this impeachment inquiry against the president. And he and a multitude of his fellow Republicans got out there in front of the, the press. And Mike, Mike made some important points. And I wanted you to hear what he had to say.
3: Thank you all for being here. These are, um, these are serious times, and this is a very serious matter. And I've, I've said many times over the last few years, because impeachment has been an issue that we've all become all too familiar with, that next to the declaration of war, you can make an argument that impeachment may be the heaviest power that Congress holds. Th- that, that constitutional responsibility lies with the House. We, we have a duty to pursue the facts where they lead. John Adams famously said, facts are stubborn things, and you heard a recitation of that here this morning. These facts are alarming. They're alarming to the American people. They're alarming to us. And so while we take no pleasure in in the proceedings here, we have a responsibility to do it. We're very proud of the work of these three chairmen that you've seen here, Chairman Comer and Jordan and Smith. They've done an exceptional job in uncovering the obvious corruption. And You've heard it here summarized this morning very succinctly. President Biden and the Biden family. We, we owe it to the American people to continue this process, but to do it methodically and transparently. Many of you know I was on, uh, I'm a lawyer, I'm a constitutional law attorney. I served on President Trump's impeachment defense team twice. And we lamented openly and we decried how the Democrats politicized that process. They were brazenly political and how they, they brought those uh, meritless impeachment charges against the, the president. This, what you're seeing here, is exactly the opposite. We are the rule of law team. The Republican Party stands for the rule of law. And the people in charge of this are doing this thoroughly, carefully, methodically. They're investigating and gathering all the facts. And to do this appropriately and to do it in a manner that upholds our constitutional responsibility requires time, it requires a sound process. You don't rush something like this, you can't, if you're gonna have fidelity to the Constitution. These chairmen are committed to proceeding in that manner. And that's what you're seeing. We've heard from whistleblowers, Biden business associates, legal experts, and now we have reached the point in the investigation that we need to hear from a handful of really key witnesses in this. The the chairman have issued a a few dozen subpoenas, and we expect that those are to be complied with in an expeditious manner. We're not prejudging this. We will follow the facts wherever they lead. Again, that's our constitutional duty. (coughs) And, and I fully support our chairman and their efforts, and we'll have a lot more to share on this in the days ahead.
1: So, in the context of where this was happening and what the circumstances were, members of the Republican Party in Congress had just left a big meeting where they were giving each other the latest information and updates on what has been exposed, discovered on a specific basis regarding the alleged... A uh, financial wrongdoing of our president, and so that wasn't a, uh, a put together. It wasn't a big speech that was very well coordinated and thought out. You could hear from the sound they were in a big hall. These GOP members just came out, microphone there, and media standing around listening to what they had to say, what Mike Johnson had to say, and there had already been a couple of people speaking. So right after this. Mike says, he gives some more words, stuff like that. And then he decided to get into some factual stuff and even take some questions from some people. Honestly, sometimes I don't know if it's good for a Republican to to get up and do that because you're literally putting yourself right in the face of the tiger. They don't like you. They want to dis- diminish you and anything you stand for because they're members of the far left. Legacy media are controlled. Nobody can credibly say this is not true. They're not totally controlled, but most, I'd say 90% of their messaging is controlled by their bosses, Democrat Party leftists. So put that in context. Listen, Mike's going to, Speak, and then he's going to open it up for some questions.
4: The official act that was corrupt that Republicans are alleging today was that when he was vice president, Joe Biden pushed for the firing of a Ukrainian prosecutor. And this was the subject of the impeachment of, of Donald Trump. And you had a lot of State Department officials who came in and said, this wasn't Joe Biden's policy, this was our policy. He didn't do this to benefit his son. He did this because we wanted him to do it. So did they all commit perjury, uh, or are you going to bring them back for more interviews? Why, why are Republicans just ignoring all that testimony?
3: No, no one's ignoring testimony. Let me tell you the top four pieces of evidence with the government Biden. I've just got bullet points here. From 2014 to 2019, Biden family members and their affiliate companies received over $15 million from foreign companies and foreign nationals. These are all facts. Facts are stubborn things. That included Ukraine, Russia, Kazakhstan, Romania, and China. Biden business associates received an additional nine million. The, the, the chairman here have uncovered a lot of facts. President Biden has, of course, lied at least 16 times about his involvement in his family's business schemes. There are at least 22 examples of Joe Biden speaking with or meeting with Hunter Biden's foreign business associates. The Oversight Committee recently released two checks. You see the graphics up here today. Uh, these checks are to Joe Biden. One is for $40,000 from China, and another is for. Two hundred thousand from a now bankrupt healthcare company that his brother James Biden apparently swindled. Listen, this op, this, uh, this investigation has to continue because, again, as we said, those facts are stubborn things. I, I'm I'm not going to answer um, outside questions about this. We let the facts speak for themselves, and I think you're going to see a lot more developments over that in the days ahead. That'll, that was our last question. <laughs> One
1: thing everybody needs to understand: the grounds. For impeachment of anybody in federal office, including the whoever is in the uh, the office of the presidency. What are the charges that come against them that they can be impeached for? The big one is bribery, high crimes and misdemeanors, but bribery. Why did our forefathers put that specific word in the clause for impeachment? Bribery. Now, You heard what that reporter asked Congressman Johnson. It's the talking point of the left. That's what it is. They said from the very beginning of this, the first time any of the conversation began nationwide about the possibility of Joe Biden committing impeachable offenses. It began with this. He didn't have any business ties with his son. You can't prove that. And that Ukraine thing, you know, that where they, he flew over there and Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma in Ukraine and everybody was saying, oh, he shouldn't be there. He doesn't know anything about natural gas. It's got to have something to do with some corruption. And by the way, Hunter for two years, he got a million dollars each year just sitting on the board of Burisma and Hunter laughed about it in an interview on national television. He was asked then, why do you think they hired you to serve on the Board of Burisman? Do you have any energy, natural gas experience? And Hunter said, no. And the questioner asked him, he said, do you think you got that job maybe because you're Joe Biden's son? And Hunter said, yes. Now, put that in the context of the question you just heard that reporter ask, and we've heard it over and over and over again. The verb, or not the verb, the word that we need to concentrate on about Joe Biden. Yes, we do know. We have a couple of checks that went directly to Joe Biden. They immediately jumped on. He didn't integrate with any of Hunter Biden and Jim Biden's business associates. You just heard Mike Johnson totally debunk it. When they were confronted, they, the left, were confronted with those factual meetings and how many times they actually did happen. The defenders of the president, they switched talking points. Then they went to, well, he wasn't in business with any of those people. He never was in business with his son's business partners. Well, he was. And he met with them profusely, dozens of times, over and over and over again. Let's go finish this segment. Go right back to bribery. What is the definition of bribery? It means bribery is the attempt by someone to coerce somebody else to do something Not by giving them something, but offering them something. The bribe is not the money, in this case, that changed hands. The bribe is the process that was used to talk the participants into doing what they were planning to do. You do not have to receive money illegally to be impeached, to be justified, to be impeached by an impeachable offense. That is just, you're participating in the process, not the receipt of any money. That's why our forefathers used the term bribery, high crimes and misdemeanors. But put the word, the actual word, bribery. Now in the context of what we're talking about, you know that situation where Joe Biden was bragging about what he did when he was Barack Obama's emissary to Ukraine. He was the guy that was representing the United States in Ukraine for years. Nobody questions that. It's a fact. Why Joe Biden? Well, Joe Biden was a deal cutter. Now I'm going to say something that might hack some of you off and it might really make you angry. But I cannot see any possible way, knowing Barack Obama and how he operated then and the power and the strength that he had then and the influence he has now, I can in no way see a scenario in which Joe Biden is appointed by President Obama to go over there and deal with Ukraine, all things Ukraine. Why Ukraine? Why It just so happens Ukraine's been known for decades of being the most financially corrupt country in the planet. And a lot of money goes through Ukraine. Much of it. Much of it illegally. You'll never get me to believe that if there was a pie of money in Ukraine that Joe Biden was circling around with his influence that if Joe Biden got into it, Barack Obama didn't. Just saying. Don't know that. I know this one thing that applies to what I just said. If it quacks and it waddles, it's always a duck. That's number one. Number two is, Joe Biden admitted, admitted, that bribery was part of that process where Joe Biden bribed the former president of Ukraine to fire Viktor Shokin, who was the federal prosecutor, that before this incident happened, the Obama administration loved this guy. They said they thought he was doing great work weeks before this meeting happened where Joe bribed the firing of Victor Shokin, this federal prosecutor in Ukraine, because he, Victor Shokin, the prosecutor, was investigating Burisma Holdings, where Hunter was serving on the board of directors and making a million dollars a year for doing so. That's a bribe. <laughs> I'm saying it's a bribe. By definition, that's a bribe. That's what our forefathers were doing that for. Okay. We're putting a lid on this conversation. We're done with this. We have way too many issues out there. And there's something I'm going to touch on. We're going to take our first break. When I come back, we're going to take just a couple of minutes to focus on something. One of the things that I think is the most important job of Joe Biden and our government that nobody's talking about, and they have just lost their minds, and they're not paying any attention to it. What could that be? Next. Uh oh. Guess what day it is?
3: Guess what day it is? Huh? Anybody? Julie. Hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is?
5: It's hump day. Woo woo! Ronnie, how happy are folks who
4: save hundreds of dollars switching the Geico?
6: I'd say happier than a camel on Wednesday. Pump day!
3: Get happy. Yeah. Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
6: What
0: day is it, Mike? Raid Shadow Legends. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you pick your champions. They're glorious. And their shields... Oh, they glisten like uh, wet otters. But the bad guys, they're Lovecraftian. They're spooky. They're um, um, big. And then you go to battle. And it's like... <laughs> Finally, your foe is vanquished, and that satisfaction is such a primal feeling. Ooh. Download Raid
6: Shadow Legends. Play for free.
2: Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh... Can I get a...
6: Okay,
2: get into McDonald's. Ooh, Ooh. can I get a...
1: Uh, Can I get a... Yeah,
3: Uh, can I get a... uh... 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 Go,
2: Bubba, go! Uh... Uh... Hey, can I get, a uh... uh, Ten-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh... Hey, what do you want to da-da-da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da-da-da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Mmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. <gasps> oh, no! I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh, No! No!
0: These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to progressive. That won't change. Not to da or any da.
5: Quote to da
3: at progressive.com.
6: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
1: So, what is that really, really important thing our government? is supposed to be doing and they're not doing. Put it. Let's put it in context just for a second. It's fall. It's getting darker earlier every day. Uh, make sure you fill up your gas tank before the sun goes down. You don't want to be caught at a service station or a Circle K after the sun falls below the horizon. It gets dark. Always keep an extra charger with you, phone charger, Uh, Signing up for AAA is probably a good idea for this winter. Check your tires, check your oil. No ATM runs in the evening after the sun goes down. By the way, park in some well-lit areas. Only unlock your doors if you're immediately getting out of your car. Pay attention to all of your surrounding. Heads up, phones down. Actually, that's pretty darn good advice. A lot of 19, 20, 24-year-old moms and dads, if you're sons and daughters, you've heard many of these alerts over and over again. But there's a problem here. As you just heard that alert I gave you, do you feel as though you live in a free country right now? I don't. I don't at all. Marianne and I, neither one of us have had a conversation about this But she goes all the time. She's a grandmother. We have amazing grandchildren, and they all live within 10 miles of us, six of them. So we're doing things with them for their moms and dads. Marianne's out there all the time, but we have this unwritten thing that we've never verbalized other than to snicker about it. But whenever she goes somewhere, when she leaves, of course, I know where she's going, but when she gets there and she's leaving there to either come home or go somewhere else, she always calls me to let me know just so I am knowledgeable about where she is, where she's going, and what's going on and who's with her, that kind of stuff. In fact, she put on my phone, I have that follow me app that all of our grandchildrens and our kids They know where Marianne and I are all the time, and we have them on our cell phones. Why is that? It has to do with the question I just asked you. Do you feel like you live in a free country? I don't. Many of you don't. The one thing I really expect our government to do, and I've felt this way the whole time I've been breathing, is what has always been job one. Protect me, protect my family as we all go about our day-to-day lives. I feel more unsafe than I've ever felt in my life. And I resent it. And I live in a pretty safe suburban community, neighbors that look out for each other. Can you imagine if you live today in a border town? And we have people listening to the show right now that live along the southern border across Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California I feel horrible for you. What about people that live in a major East Coast city that aren't unable to get out of there? Many of these Americans lock down after dark. Don't go outside their homes at all. So how did we get here? How did we get here? You can point to one specific thing. Defunding. The police. Nobody can credibly say that was not the impetus that this lawlessness environment came out of. Think about this: just generating a phrase like defund the police without even defining terms, that shows the dumbing down of our policymakers. Of course, this policy's made our streets more dangerous, obviously. Who could have thought, who would have thought of it not having disastrous results? Not necessarily defunding the cops, but screaming that we need to. And many, many people in our leadership in Congress and in state offices, they talked about it. They demanded it. It was a political thing. It wasn't applicable. It certainly wasn't something that should have been done. But millions of Americans, when they heard their policymakers, elected officials, promoting, defunding the police, what did we immediately jump to? Oh my gosh, crime's going to shoot up. Well, guess what? We were right. According to D.C., Washington, D.C., Metropolitan police statistics, there have been 905 carjackings in 2023 in D.C., 77%, which involved the use of a gun. You can't carry guns legally in D.C. So what does that mean? Well, who's got the guns? 77% of 900 carjackings, guns were involved. Violent crime occurrences in D.C. up 40% from just 2022. Property crime up 25%. Now, the numbers may vary around the nation. The trend is the same in Baltimore, Chicago, Philly, Los Angeles, all cities that have been led by Democrats for decades. You remember New York? You remember New York under some other mayor than the last few we've had? Rudy Giuliani became safer, New York did, in the early 2000s with an understanding that a strong police presence, swift prosecution, even if the little stuff was effective. Nobody wanted to go down to Times Square. You couldn't do it. There was crime everywhere, beggars, nastiness. It was an ugly city. And criminality was everywhere. Rudy Giuliani, no matter what you think about him today, but when he became mayor, he straightened that all up and New York became again the greatest city of its sort in the United States. Finally, this November, we saw the loss of some woke prosecutors who didn't understand when they took their oaths of office to uphold the law. They believed they could pick and choose which laws to enforce. And as a result, their communities became far more dangerous. As a result of this, I hope, I hope you do too, that communities will pay attention now when voting for local prosecutors, support candidates that want to fund more police, not less. The election's next year. It is our next opportunity to decide how we and our families are going to live. America can't afford to miss a chance to turn things around. So here's a thought demand that your government, on the local, state, and federal level, keep us safe in our homes, in our businesses, schools, and yes, even after dark. I live in, a, uh, in Shreveport, Louisiana. Shreveport, Louisiana, the Red River flows right down north to south on the east side of downtown Shreveport. On the other side, on the east side of the river, is Bossier City. Combined, it's about 200,000 population. Shreveport is a little bit bigger. But for whatever reason or reasons, years ago, Shreveport became a predominantly African-American populated city. Bossier City became—now, it's mixed, but it's not mixed like Shreveport. It is mostly white. And when this push began to emanate across the nation and end up with leftist politicians that attacked the laws and the enforcement of laws— Shreveport just went dark, and I'm not talking about skin color. I'm talking about criminality, and it still is. We live in a suburban development, one of those planned developments. Uh, we have homes in uh, our subdivision that are two and a half, three millions. We have homes on the low side, two hundred to three hundred thousand. I'm giving you those comparisons so that you know it's a very mixed community. It's not gated. There are only two ways in and out of the subdivision, and we have a lot of the things that many of us have to leave and go far away for. We have good restaurants. Uh, We even have a really good cigar bar. We have fast food, all those kinds of things that we typically, late in the afternoon, we forgot to go by and pick this up at the store we have a one major grocery store that's 300 yards north of one of the entrances to this and it's very very upscale very mixed population it's a typical look like america community in most cases but we can't we can't leave our cars out with stuff out in the yard Doors not being locked at night? We don't even consider that. I actually, this is pretty spooky what I'm about to tell you. I'm a light sleeper. And in our house, the master suite is in the very back of the house right up against the garage. And um, again, I'm I'm a light sleeper. We have, when we come out of our master bedroom, we go into the kitchen, then we go through uh, a dining room, dining area, and then we have the living area, and then a door going out on the front porch. And we live on one of the two prominent streets in and out of this subdivision. For some reason, middle of the night, about one or two o'clock, I, uh, and we usually do all of our coming in the house and leaving, out, uh, out the back door, beside the master bedroom, going into the garage. But we go out front on the front porch. It's a nice community. People are walking their pets and dogs, m- moms with babies, little kids on bicycles and tricycles, good sidewalks and all that. And we have one small dog that she loves to go out the front door. There are a couple of friends, dogs, <laughs> in the close proximity, and she loves to see her buddies. So I'm not exaggerating when I tell you this. Four or five times a day, either Marianne or I take Olivia out the front door. She loves to go out there. And we're very conscious about locking the doors. Anytime I go out the front door and come back in, I lock the door. Even if it's the middle of the day, I just do it. For some reason, I woke up, and it was one of these Instant things, I thought, I wonder if the front door was locked. Because I knew Marianne had gone out a couple of times. And yes, I'm sure she's listening. And so you were the guilty party. (laughs) The door was not locked. And so as I started up the little hallway between the family room and where the front door is, the front porch light, we leave leave the front porch lights on all, all night. Many in the neighborhood do. But as I looked at the door, the door was cracked about three or four inches. And I could see on the front porch, somebody was standing there. This is two o'clock in the morning. And as I got closer, I exclaimed, I didn't say anything, but it was some guttural moan because the person that was out there turned around and took off running as I got to the front door and had crossed over the big sidewalk in front of us headed towards the street. Now, why am I telling you that story? Lots of this criminality that happens around the nation, it's not something that is just, hey, I think I'm going to go rob this house or I'm going to break into this car. Why don't we go, um, why don't we hijack a vehicle, carjack with somebody in there in the middle of the street? Those things used to be rare, The criminality typically happened in the dark of night when nobody was around. Criminals, they knew if they got caught, they were going to pay the prime. But this defunding the police has changed the entire environment for criminals, wannabe criminals, and peace-loving regular folks. Because we can't trust our law enforcement people. We can't. So what do we do? Do we just keep trucking the way we always did? That would be kind of stupid, putting ourselves, even though innocently in the past, we would never purposely, consciously do those kind of things. Now we know. It's changed the culture of families socially across this nation. Just as I, I started this story with those things that now... I mean, they're becoming commonplace. Make sure you fill up your gas tank before the sun goes down. Keep an extra phone charger with you. Check your tires and oil. Don't go to an ATM in the evening after dark. Park in well-lit areas. Only unlock your car doors if you're immediately going to get out of your car. Pay attention to surrounding. Heads up, phones down. Those are things we would never talk about before, but now... We can never not talk about them and remind those that we love, this is a different United States of America. And right now, I don't know where you are in this, but I'm I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. We're in the middle of a nasty police chief election. As I told you, the size of Shreveport. I mean, we're not talking about a dinky little town. you got over 100,000 people in Shreveport, had a police chief election, and the Democrat Party candidate won the election by one vote. Now, what are the odds of that? So, of course, the other side, they demanded a recount. And they had the recount. And guess what the results were? The same guy won by one vote. Well, man, we need to audit those election machines. I mean, that you can't do that. You're going to love this. Shreveport, Louisiana's election machines, they're not Dominion machines, but the software that operates them is. And you cannot print off a ballot. It's all electronic oh no, (laughs) you're an election denier. Oh, I I just can't believe we're in this situation. So it's a court battle and it's supposed to be resolved this week and it doesn't matter what the results are. Half of the the city's gonna be hacked off and the other half is gonna spend the next four years defending the outcome of the election. This is the world we find ourselves living (laughs) in. And we don't like it, but we just got to do it. Right now, prices across the economy skyrocketed. And nobody in the Biden administration can give any real plausible explanation of why, other than the big spending done by Joe Biden. I've never heard him admit it. I've never heard anybody in this administration come out and say, inflation is caused by our big spending. But it is. And this is hurting Americans in some sectors more than others because inflation, regulations, according to some real experts, they're the ones that tell us this. Since January of 2021, when Biden first took office, the Consumer Price Index, which is how they measure inflation, had risen 17.1% ending in October. That's according to the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Cost increases because of inflation. Regulations are hitting every area of our economy. No sector is exempt. Housing, health care, appliances, car loans experiencing particularly significant impacts. I would say that the effect on mortgage rates, it's probably been the most effective. Hmm because of 40 year high inflation from big government spending the federal reserve has aggressively raised interest rates when joe took office the average 30 year mortgage rate was 2.77%. Think about that. 2.77%. Three numbers there, 277. Today just jiggle those numbers. Now it went from 2.77 today at 7.22. Overall inflation reached a recent peak of 9.1% in June. It's since decelerated a little bit to 3.2% in October year over year, but we were already at 9%, still far above the Fed's 2% target. So in response to our high inflation, the Fed raised federal funds rate to somewhere between 525 quarter and 55 and the highest rate in 22 years. That puts upward pressure on credit demands and conditions. Cost to pay for housing, expressed in the CPI, cost um, for shelter, which more closely follows the cost of rent, have gone up 17.5% since Biden took office. Many experts point to high government spending under the Biden administration as the big cause of elevated inflation. Biden signed the American Rescue Plan in March of 2021. Remember that one? And they approved the Inflation Reduction Act in August of 2022. Respectively, those two bills added $1.9 trillion and $750 billion in new spending. $2.75 $2.75 trillion. So you want to put it in perspective? At 2.77%, a $250,000 mortgage would have a monthly principal and interest payment at about $1,023 a month. But where we are now, 7.22%, that same $250,000 loan, you know what the the payment is for it? For principal and interest a month. It went up $700 for the same loan. That's why pending home sales have hit their lowest level in 20 years. Rent, they have been one of the largest contributors to the ongoing inflation people are facing and it's usually the largest component of a household's budget, paying for rent. In August of this year, a family with a median income can only afford a 30-year mortgage on a $356,000 home following interest rate and price increases, while that same family could afford a mortgage of $737,000 in December of 2020. See the little difference there? $356,000 home in 2020. <laughs> oh, my gosh. When, when, when some goods are hurt worse than others, the causes are not inflation. That's what one senior economist has said. Higher than inflation housing and health care costs are due to regulations and supply chain problems. So you've got inflation, and then you have supply chain problems. And supply and demand are the two big things that drive the cost of everything we spend. Healthcare costs are being ratcheted up because of rising premiums, which increase 7% just this year, increasing 22% over the past five years. So to try to bring down prices, the Biden administration announced in August it's going to force negotiations on 10 major drugs. I don't even need to go into the craziness and the futility of that. The Biden administration has outpaced the previous three in terms of issuing big, 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 big regulations calculated by those that have at least $100 million economic impact, completing 89 by the end of 2022. A total added cost due to regulations on our economy? Listen to this. $1.939 trillion extra dollars. I'm just trying to prepare you, giving you facts. That's the world that we live in today. And under this president, under his administration, and any if he should hang around and get reelected, none of that's going to change. He doesn't have a snowball's chance of understanding how bad his policies have made life for many of you And for all of us to some degree. None of us live in a bubble. Money, interest rates, supply chain issues, regulations, we don't have any control over any of that. They do. They make the policies and they're the cost. Talking with you,
0: not at you. Intelligent conversation.
1: TNN, the Truth News Network.
0: Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free
4: driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running, and Modesto Auto & Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto & Truck Parts. 924 G Street in downtown Modesto. 529-8342. 529-8342. Ah luxury. The aroma is full bodied, the flavour is decadent, the touch divine and the drive Yes, the drive of luxury is simply INFINITY. Introducing the INFINITY Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an INFINITY. INFINITY of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury. Not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your INFINITY and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk
0: Grove. Expect more. We don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org.
1: So everything that comes out of the Biden administration, out of Democrat Party's mouths, the party members themselves, especially those that represent people in Congress, is Fear tactics. Fear tactics. You remember back when uh, Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan ran for president and vice president against President Obama and Vice President Joe Biden in 2012? You remember that? You remember the video commercial? It was kind of in the background, but it was a guy that looked kind of like Paul Ryan, who was then a representative from Wisconsin in the House, and he was running to be the vice president for Mitt Romney, and he was pushing a wheelchair towards the edge of a cliff and was throwing this person in the wheelchair, supposedly a grandmother, off the cliff. In other words, the ad was telling whoever was watching it that Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan and the Republican policies were going to be to destroy Social Security and Medicare. Fear, fear tactics. Well, (laughs) it's happening again. Democrats are out there. They are telling the world that Republicans, and they did this dramatically with Mike Johnson, right? When he came house speaker, I got tons of texts and emails from people saying, Mike Johnson, he's come out in the past. He wants to do away with the current structure of both Medicare and Social Security. And you know where they heard that or saw it? They never heard it from Mike Johnson or any other Republican. They would talk about the unbelievable expense rise to every American for the cost of operating those two entities, Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. That's not trying to scare people, that's a fact. And now, Joe Biden, his administration, his campaign, if it is a campaign, they're out there screaming the same stuff again. Larry Kudlow, who is in my demographic, I think he's older than I am, 70, I think he's probably 75, 77. He's an economist, one of the best there's ever been, And he had enough over the weekend, and he weighed into it.
6: And as far as the charge that Republicans want to get rid of Medicare and Social Security, that is just stupid, sophomoric, malarkey politics. It's a pack of lies, because the Republicans are in favor of no such thing. And Biden knows that. In fact, even in his State of the Union, when Biden tried to use the same lie about the big entitlements... And even single Republicans, every single Republicans in the chamber rose up to boo him because it was completely wrong. And people see right through these lies. You know, Biden said recently Thanksgiving was a lot cheaper than before. But in fact, the American Farm Bureau came out and said, wait a second. Thanksgiving costs were 41 percent higher than 2020 and right down the line. Cost after cost has risen enormously from Bidenomics.
1: Facts are stubborn things, aren't they? They really are. I'm, uh, I'm pulling something up real quick. Bear with me. I want to, I want to read to you. Um, I don't know why I didn't grab it earlier because I wanted, and it, and it's about this very thing. Oh my gosh. To get the story, I have to enter my email, enter my email. We sent you a link. (laughs) I'm going to stick with this. It's, It's an important thing. It really is. It has to do with the stuff we hear coming out of Joe Biden's mouth all the time about how people like him. And they like what he's doing. He brags about where he came from. You remember that? Pennsylvania, I can't get the story up. Let me just tell you, I'll summarize it in my words. He talks about Scranton, Pennsylvania. Scranton, Pennsylvania, my people. They love me, they support me. They are besides themselves in anger at Joe Biden's economy, Bidenomics, and what it is doing to them. You tell me somebody, give me a name, of somebody in this nation that is not first filthy rich or has everything paid for by someone else. Nobody is exempt from this. Everybody is feeling it. And I can't imagine the stupidity that these people from the top down think that we the people don't live and know that we live in pretty dire circumstances now compared to what we were living in four years ago. Are they that stupid? Are they just not going to face the facts and try to change some of the stuff that has happened that makes life too hard for Americans much harder than it needed to be? I guess that's the definition of insanity, doing the same things over and over and over again, expecting different results. People in Scranton are besides themselves. Pennsylvania is not going to vote Democrat. They're not going to. Most of the state has been conservative, Republican anyway. But they're looking at what's happening now. If you live in the South, let me just say this, and it's it, I'm being honest with the exceptions of a couple of places like, uh, oh, from Jacksonville, Florida, just below Jacksonville down through Miami, that area. I'm exempting that area out of what I'm about to say. But if you live in the south, accept that particular part because it gets a little more and more expensive as you leave northern, extreme northern uh, Florida headed down to the Miami area. And it should be. I mean, that's a very special part of the United States. You take those areas out. Living in the South is less expensive than living in the Northeast and the West Coast and the Northwest and even the upper middle of the United States. And so when you put all of those particulars in the pot that have to be mixed up and considered, it's really tough for Americans average middle-class Americans, to be able to afford to live the way they were four years ago. You don't think, they don't think these people recognize that? I guess when you got a lot of money in the bank or you don't even pay your own bills, you don't, you don't sense that or feel it. So if it doesn't impact you, those people out there that are griping about it got to be stupid, right? Obviously, they got to think that. Now, I want to switch the conversation. We've got a couple of things that I want to touch on coming out of the Middle East. And one of them is pretty sad, but it's one that obviously many of us, I think probably without question most of you, when this first attack happened on October 7th and 1,200 Israelis were slaughtered that night by Hamas... And then we found out they were attacking women and raping women. We knew it was happening, but it's one of those kind of things you don't want to talk about it. It's just bad. Guess what we're finding out? Much more evidence of the Hamas rapes, sexual violence in the October 7th attack. We're finding out from those hostages that have been released. But it gets worse. It's still happening to the women that Hamas still holds. The Israeli police had previously presented one eyewitness whose identity was concealed to journalists, and the purpose for doing it was to hear her story. She said she had seen a Hamas terrorist execute a woman while he was in the process of raping her. And now more witnesses are coming forward, and they're being named this is an act of courage I can't even imagine. I can think of one of our daughters, something like that happening. She wouldn't want the world to know that she was a target for this. It's got to be an embarrassing thing. But I think these women from Israel are realizing this could happen to a bunch of other people. We've got to warn them what it looks like and what you go through. One such woman, Yanni Sadan, who escaped execution by hiding underneath a stage, said, I saw this beautiful woman with the face of an angel and eight or ten of the fighters beating and raping her. She was screaming, stop it already. I'm going to die anyway from what you're doing. Just kill me. When they finished, they were laughing, and the last man to rape her shot her in the head. They'd caught a young woman near a car. She was fighting back, not allowing them to strip her. They threw her to the ground. One of the terrorists took a shovel and beheaded her, and her head rolled along the ground. And he said, I still see her head every night when I go to sleep. Volunteers who worked on identifying the victims spoke of the horrific injuries to women's bodies including women whose pelvises had been broken, women who had been shot all over their body parts. Many had been shot in the face to mutilate them. The Times of Israel yesterday, and let let me make a a suggestion for you. You can go online and get an English version of the Times of Israel. If you want to know the facts, the truth of what's going on over there, you need to do that for a multitude of reasons. We need to know what's going on, but we also need to have a juice in our glass to give us the strength to pray for these women, especially those that are in still being held as hostages. So yesterday on the Times of Israel, investigations into sexual violence committed by Hamas are progressing, albeit slowly. Israeli police investigators started building several sexual assault cases against Gazan terrorists who participated in the massacres with the goal of eventually trying them for rape. The investigation was hampered initially by the fact that physical evidence of sexual assault was broadly not collected on the day of the attacks for obvious reasons, complications posed by the evidence being located in an active war zone. Rape kits, which need to be used in the first 48 hours following an assault, could not be used. Many of the bodies arriving at the emergency morgue set up at the Shura military base were so badly mutilated that collecting physical evidence of sexual assault was not possible. Here in the U.S., Progressive Caucus leader, Representative Premia Jayapal, Democrat from Washington, she is... A Activist. You can't put under any other label on there. She tried to deflect criticism of sexual violence committed against Israelis on Sunday, telling CNN that rape had to be seen in the context of alleged Israeli violations of international law. Now, I've been sitting here all morning, I've got that entire interview that Jayapal did yesterday with Dana Bash on CNN. And I'm still struggling if I want you to hear the whole thing. But here's what I want to do. I I want you to listen to the first part. This is Representative Jayapal. She's a Palestinian, and she obviously is for the people of Palestine. But she's one of those who has a problem when it comes down where the rubber hits the road to be all out against any palestinian that doesn't try to stop hamas from committing these kind of horrors on innocent people
5: with the collapse of the temporary truce between israel and hamas here in the u.s democratic divisions over the direction of the war and biden's support for israel are once again on full display here with me now is house progressive caucus chairwoman pramila jayapal thank you for coming it's nice to see you in person Uh, Let's start with where we are right now with with the war. The White House says very clearly that Hamas is to blame for the collapse of this temporary truce for a few reasons. One is that they refused to release the remaining women, some of whom, sounds like most of whom are 20 to 30-year-old women. Uh, They're hostage inside Gaza. They also renewed the uh, military attacks against Israel. You have repeatedly called for Israel to implement an indefinite ceasefire, but given what we have just seen with what I just described, is that realistic?
7: Well, it's what has to happen, and I do think it's realistic. I think what we saw is after uh, you know, many weeks of saying we couldn't get to a ceasefire, that was not gonna happen, we did have a temporary ceasefire, and what happened? We were able to see a significant number of hostages released, we were able to get humanitarian aid into Gaza, and I think the long term plan for what happens is incredibly important. Now you've seen Vice President Harris made a very strong statement yesterday. Uh, Secretary, Defense Secretary uh, uh, Lloyd Austin, also was very clear that if you engage in urban warfare in the way that Israel did in northern Gaza, what you will do is perhaps win a temporary victory or reprieve, but you're not going to win the long-term strategic war. So the only way, Dana, to get through this is to make sure that we, first of all, do not have the kinds of casualties that we saw in northern Gaza. There's no way to do that with the kind of war that Israel is waging right now on Gaza. A couple of things.
1: Let me add, before we go on, you heard what the representative said there. Northern Gaza, northern Gaza. What about the first night? October 7th, wee hours of the morning, 1,200 innocent Israeli people, not war fighters, but innocent people, many of who were drug out of their beds wearing pajamas, slaughtered indiscriminately, and all of these travesties committed to them. I just thought I'd throw that in.
5: Here's more. One is, um, you said it worked. Yes, there were hostages who were released, but it wasn't even an actual uh, hard ceasefire. They were just trying to get another day and Hamas wouldn't comply. So what makes you think that Hamas would comply with a longer-term ceasefire.
7: Well, I think this is all about negotiation. Qatar has been incredibly helpful here. It's not clear to me from the reporting um, who was to blame for. Uh, you don't for believe the, the
5: U.S. the Biden I, administration that Hamas? Well, I just think it's very
7: complicated. Young women? I think it's very very complicated. Um, it's it's not. We don't have all the information in front of us. We uh, obviously can you know can rely on some statements that are made, but I think that in these negotiations, everybody wants something. And I think Qatar has said that Hamas is still at the table. Israel should still be at the table. In fact, some of the hostages are, the Israeli hostages are saying that Israel should still be at the table because this is complex negotiation and it doesn't happen unless both sides are willing to come to some kind of an agreement. That's how we got the well, first seven days.
5: that's, That's a really important point about both sides being willing to come to an agreement, because regardless of what has happened last week, and let's just say there is a more permanent ceasefire, you are hearing from Hamas leaders over and over again that the brutal massacre of the 1,200 Israeli civilians was just the beginning, just a rehearsal, and that they want to continue to do it over and over again. So a ceasefire would keep that brutal terrorist regime in place in, in Gaza? I
7: don't think that's true. I think that what is true is that Hamas needs to be taken out. It is a terrorist organization. How would you do that? But I think the way to do that, as many terrorism experts have said, is to create a durable and strong coalition of allies within the Middle East, with the United States, with Israel, to make sure that we have a long-term political solution, that there is an alternative to Hamas, to lead uh, in Gaza and to establish a state for Palestinians. This is, I mean, we cannot, we have to condemn what Hamas did on October 7th. We cannot allow for 15,000 Palestinians to date to have been killed, three quarters of whom are women and children and say that that is going to help us in the long term. Morally, Dana, morally, but also strategically for Israel, the only way through this is to create a situation where there is a political solution that involves a Palestinian just, state and an Israeli I
1: state. Think Let me interrupt again. Everything this woman just said is conjecture and hoping, and it's based on one thing that must be or it would never work, and it's very clear. Two parties have to come to the table and agree. <laughs> and we've got to give the Palestinians their own country. Guess what? In 2005, Israel pulled every Israeli operation and citizen out of Gaza and gave that 25-mile stretch of beach on the Mediterranean Sea, gave it to the Palestinian people. It was given to them by Israel. You guys live there, be peaceful, we're out. And Israel left and gave it to them. And then what did the Palestinian national people do? They decided we're going to be a democracy. We've got to have a fair election. Well, they had an election. Fair? I kind of doubt it. The results of the election came in and guess who won? Palestinians, but it wasn't the Palestinian national people, it was Hamas. And Hamas, the people, gave the operational control of that brand new Palestinian geographical, their country. Gave it, they just gave it to Hamas. And then Hamas did what Hamas does. They destroy and slaughter people, many of their own people. They're terrorists. You can't sit at a table and try to negotiate after the people that you're supposed to be negotiating with slaughtered, unprovoked, in the middle of the night, 1,200 of your fellow Israeli citizens. Unprovoked, no reason given. I, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna play any more of this. I mean, they get into the rape and all that kind of stuff, and Paul. She's just an unreasonable person. The things that she said has to happen, how can that happen? How can Israel trust that under any circumstances, Hamas is going to honor their commitments? Come on now. Hey, okay. I'll tell you what, we came in and slaughtered 1,200 in one night. We're not going to do that anymore. Oh my gosh, the Israelis would say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And just because our friends in the United States, the handful that are there that are really, really wanting the right stuff to be the end story, oh my gosh, it's insane. And Dana Bash was right. Hamas has said their leaders have said the leader of Iran himself said two weeks ago the only way to resolve this is for the elimination of every Jew in Israel from the river to the sea that's from the west bank of the Jordan River, all the way west of the Mediterranean, which is all of Israel, the annihilation of Israel. And Paul thinks that we can, we can sit down and negotiate with that, those people? And Benjamin Netanyahu has consistently said there will be no more ceasefire. He said it wasn't going to happen and then he got political pressure to let that ceasefire temporarily happen. And guess what? Hamas didn't honor the terms, didn't do what they were supposed to do, but they got five times more Palestinians. Do you know the people that came out of that trade that went back to Hamas? You know who those people were? Every one of them was in prison for various crimes, many of which included murder. Those weren't, Innocent women and children (laughs) that they trade. Israel didn't take any Hamas women and children. These were people that lived in Israel that were supportive of Palestinians, Hamas, and committed crimes. You can put lipstick on a pig. But it's still a pig. Now, let's look at this administration, what they're up to right now. On Friday's broadcast of Bloomberg TV's Balance of Power, White House National Security Council coordinator John Kirby, Admiral John Kirby, here's what he had to say about it. The White House doesn't support Israel operating against Hamas in the southern portion of Gaza. Quote, unless or until they have factored in all those additional civilians in the area and all civilians in the area. Let me ask you this. Have you listened to any news reports? Have you listened and heard what Israel has proclaimed in all kinds of media outlets, television, radio, newspapers, over and over and over? before they even launched their first part of their response. For two weeks, every civilian, get out of Gaza City. Go south. Go south, away from the fighting. We're fixing to come in and take Hamas out. Did Hamas give that kind of warning to those Israeli people on, let's say, October 6th? the day before they slaughtered 1,200 Israeli people in their sleep? No, they didn't do that. And she thinks you can sit down with a snake and put your hand across the table to shake the snake's tail and it won't bite you? Kirby said, we've made two points here. One, we've told the Israelis very consistently We don't support southern operations unless or until they have factored in all those civilians. In other words, what he's saying is, all you Palestinian civilians, y'all raise your hand. Everybody that's, okay, wear this. Put this on. And so we'll know when we come in there to kill all the criminals and the, the terrorists that you're not one of them. We trust you. We trust you. We're the United States of America. We take care of everybody involved in any war that we're involved in. Like, yeah, we have 300 Americans that are still in Afghanistan that can't get out because Joe Biden welched on his word, pulled out, and left them there. Number two thing he said we've done, urged them to think about how to do this in a way that keeps those civilians safe. Now, I don't want to get into whether there are safe zones called for or what they could look like, but we certainly want to see them pursue these operations in a way that properly accounts for that civilian population and that to the maximum degree that it can inoculate them from those combat operations so that they're not in harm's way, that they're not caught in the crossfire between Israel and Hamas. John... If you want to do that, why don't you lead a contingent and go over there and you take all of the civilians? You know, those ones that'll get in the line and say, Hey, I'm a civilian. I want you to protect me, give me, go put me somewhere else while y'all slaughter these Hamas people. This is the stupidest group of politicians and so called military experts I've ever seen in the United States and remember this with the exception of Admiral John Kirby everybody at the top of our Department of Defense including our Secretary of Defense these were the brains brainiacs that left those four Americans to get slaughtered in Benghazi when we had military seals in the air waiting for our now defense secretary, to give the go-ahead for them to land and to go get those four people, including an ambassador, out before they were slaughtered. At the same time that's going on, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and Joe Biden were arming... In Syria, we were arming rebels that were going to make a gracious push to stop their evil president from gassing his own people. We gave those militants millions of dollars and armed them to the teeth with weapons. And those glorious patriot people that were going after Bashar Assad. He didn't stop gassing the people, by the way, and these terrorists turned out to be ISIS. And we have the chutzpah, and we think we can tell Israel what they should do? Oh, my gosh. What kind of people do we have working for us in Washington, D.C.? I think we need to make some changes. What about you?
2: Mr. Rippermorf. Yes, Dorothy. A reporter and crew from New Center Seven Wastebusters are here to see you, sir. New
0: Center Seven.
2: Wastebusters. They expose mind-boggling waste of taxpayers' money right here in the Miami Valley. What do they
0: want with me? They said
2: you sold the government a ballpoint pen, sir. So. For a thousand dollars. Well,
0: it came with refills. And a
2: jar of paper clips for two thousand dollars. They were
0: multicolored paper clips. Uh huh. Red ones, blue ones. What should
2: I tell the Wastebusters, sir?
0: Do they have lights and cameras?
2: And the ballpoint pen, sir. Tell
0: them I went out my window, down the fire escape, and then booked down the street screaming like a madman.
2: I don't think they'll believe that, sir. Mr.
6: Watch News Center 7 expose government waste right here in the Miami Valley and see the Wastebusters in action.
2: You can't escape them, sir! They're the Wastebusters! I know.
6: News Center 7 Wastebusters. Weeknights at 6. Coverage you can count on.
0: They'll find him. For over 75 years, people have saved money with, oh, with Geico. Oh, sorry. Here what? we go
4: from the top and action.
0: For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko. so Put it. What? What did I say? Gecko. I said Gecko. Oh. For over 75
2: years.
1: Keep <laughs> it together. I'm good. I'm good.
2: <clears throat> for over 70- seventy. <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh.
3: Geico Saving people money for over 75 years.
0: Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools.
2: Yes.
0: When tool guys need new tools,
2: Crafts-
0: they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. Right You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network.
1: So I guess you know when I say serpent head, who we're talking about, James Carville. He is a longtime hard leftist Democrat advisor, political expert, etc. He got his start in politics at the national level during Bill Clinton's first term as president in the White House. Carvel's from Louisiana, and uh, he's married to a very, very conservative Republican woman that was in government in D.C. herself, Mary Madeline, and she has a nickname for him, and you'll know who he is when I call him Serpenthead. He is nasty, he's mean, He's an LSU fan. That's the only thing besides living in Louisiana we have in common. But he took out after House Speaker Mike Johnson. He sounded the alarm on new Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson, and he said that Johnson and other, quote, Christian nationalists, end of quote, are a bigger threat to the country than is Al-Qaeda, he was a panelist on Bill Maher's overtime segment. Carvel was asked about Johnson. Mike Johnson, Carvel, both from here in Louisiana. Mike Johnson and what he believes is one of the greatest threats we have to date to the United States. Carvel said, speaking to Bill Maher on Friday, I promise you, I know these people. You're talking about Christian nationalists, Maher said. Absolutely. This is a bigger threat than al-Qaeda to this country. And let me tell you something, he said. Speaker of the House, they got probably at least two Supreme Court justices, maybe more. Don't kid yourself, he continued. People in the press have no idea who this guy is. This is a fundamental threat to the United States. It's a fundamental thing. They don't believe in the Constitution. They'll tell you that. Mike Johnson himself says, What is democracy but two wolves and a lamb having lunch? That's what they really, really, really believe. And to say, Oh, come on, man, it's just some crazies. No, no, they believe that. And they're coming and they've been doing it forever, they're funded they're funded, they're relentless, and you know, they probably won't win for a while, but they might, and if they do, the whole country blows a gasket, he added. Now, Bill Maher himself has been quite outspoken about his animosity towards Speaker Johnson. During his real-time closing monologue on Friday, he blasted his, quote, religious fanaticism and accused him of rooting for the end of the world so we can get on with the rapture. Mar said, Mike thinks God personally chooses, raises up our leaders, which is a very dangerous thought because then when you lose an election, you think it's just another God trick to test your faith. Mar told his audience, Mike says, we began as a Christian nation. We didn't. Did you miss that day in homeschool, Mike? If you don't know that the pilgrims came here to get away from Church of England, then you don't know literally the first thing about our country. Bill Maher doesn't know squat about what he's saying. The Church of England was not a Christian church. That's one reason why they left to come over here, to have freedom of religion instead of the government pounding the Church of England into their heads. These are experts They don't even know what Christianity is. They don't, and they don't care. Facts don't matter. They grab a political perspective and turn everything they see and hear into their very own political perspective, and if you dare disagree with their perspective, that means you're unworthy to even breathe the same air. Bill Maher went through. Mike says being a Christian nation is our tradition and it's who we are as a people. It's not. We're the people who have a First Amendment which says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. That's why the pilgrims came over here. Bill was to get away from that. Nobody I know wants there to be an American church that all people are supposed to be a part of. We have an Article 6, he said, which says no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office. So I take these people at their word when they say they think we should be Christian nationalists. But then they have to take John Adams at his word when he wrote the government of the United States of America is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion. I've never heard anybody say that it was, guys, guys on Christian fundamentals. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Put yourself after what you think and do for other people. And I don't know any Christians that try to force any political ideology whatsoever on anybody. Not so about you Democrats in many cases. It's all about trying to force your ideology on other people. Wow, 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 wow. Man, this thing just keeps getting bigger and bigger and uglier and uglier. (laughs) I just don't know if we'll get away with it. I promised you that this new group we found, this news group in Israel that are bringing the daily information without perspective, just laying out what the facts are, what's happening from day to day. And I, I think I'm going to try to uh, piece these together every couple of days going forward. This first one, it's a little bit longer than than most, but it's it's good for you to catch up with where they are, and we'll just move forward. But listen to the things that this reporter tells us, and then put what you're hearing in the context of what you heard Representative Jayapal from Washington told Dana Bash on CNN yesterday.
6: Hundreds of Hamas targets have been hit, including the central tunnel to the residents. A major success in Israeli army operations. Israel launched the heaviest bombardment of Hamas targets and enemy headquarters in history this evening. Since October 7th, the most precise and heavy Israeli bombardment has destroyed a lot of Hamas infrastructure. Israel Defense Forces' Arabic-speaking Lieutenant Colonel Avichai Adrei threatens Hamas's Shajaya Battalion. Adrei, this is the final warning. You are all targets. You have two choices. Surrender and lay down your weapons or face a fate similar to the fate of Wissam Farthat. Adrei added in a stern warning to Hamas. As you know in wars, apart from the strength and determination of the operations, Psychological pressure is one of the factors that bring victory, so what is the real reason for these statements? After the ceasefire, the Israeli army quickly showed its determination and operations to the world. In the morning hours, Israel launched a massive airstrike again. The Israeli airstrikes, which created deep holes in the tunnel entrances where Hamas's militants are located, caused a huge noise and dust cloud in the city. Israel has released new footage of its airstrikes and ground operations in the Gaza Strip, showing the Air Force hitting tunnels, command centers and weapons depots overnight. Troops from the 7th Armored Brigade carried out drone strikes on Hamas operatives. He says the Israeli Navy has also bombed areas belonging to Hamas's naval forces. Galant says the Army's achievements in the Gaza Strip so far are amazing. Thousands of terrorists have been neutralized in Israel. Dozens of headquarters have been hit. We have hundreds of terabytes of information. Hundreds of terrorists have been captured and are being investigated, he said. He says that units of the 551st Replacement Brigade found and destroyed a Hamas tunnel shaft in the yard of a school in Beit Lahia, in the northern Gaza Strip. It is now reported that the 551st Brigade has completed its operations around Jabalia. Although the IDF attacked 800 tunnel shafts on Sunday, these are only parts of each tunnel and nowhere near the hole, which will make the tunnel war a protracted one. To destroy them, special Yahalom and other engineering units must carefully map all sections of each tunnel, which takes time. If the IDF had taken control of 80% or more of northern Gaza weeks ago, it could have destroyed only 20% or less of the northern tunnels by now without doing much against the southern Gaza tunnels. At a pivotal juncture, the U.S. is bolstering its military might. The conflict in the Middle East has escalated to a boiling point. An all-out operation is now underway. Not long ago, the Middle East is experiencing a critical phase in terms of both parties' movements. At this point, every action determines the destiny of nations. Groups backed by Iran attempted to assault American bases in Iraq and Syria. Nevertheless, American jets intervened in these areas, thwarting the strikes and launching retaliation missions. In retaliation, the U.S. attacked airports in Iraq and Syria that were used by terrorists backed by Iran. Afterwards, an astonishing fact came to light. American forces reportedly started to pull their forces out of northern Iraq and into Syria. According to reports, it took the U.S. two days to transfer a variety of military equipment from Iraq to locations in northeastern Syria, where U.S. Marines are stationed. Reports indicate that the United States deployed special military equipment and three American flag convoys from Harir Air Base to Hasaka in Syria. There are a lot of objectives represented by the United States' current preparations. In light of the potential for Iranian-backed groups to target American sites, one of them is bolstering regional military might. Second, there have been multiple attempts at attacks against American outposts in Iraq and Syria, particularly in the past few days. The United States is clearly preparing for Syria with these actions. This will prevent parties backed by Iran from developing strongly, while also gathering a considerable amount of influence in the Middle East. Hezbollah is one of the most important terrorist organizations, since it is well known that these groups, sponsored by Iran, are planning attacks from all directions. This terrorist organization is trying to launch an attack on northern Israel from its base in southern Lebanon, but Israel moved to counterattack once more. Israeli forces resumed their attacks on Hezbollah's strongholds in southern Lebanon's Hula region, breaking the current ceasefire in the direction of Gaza. Israeli forces have bombed Hezbollah strongholds close to the town of Hula in response to multiple attacks by terrorists from this direction. Aita Ashab, a terrorist outfit, was attacked by Hezbollah, breaking their silence. Israeli artillery attacked the border town of Hezbollah. Observation and other attack locations in the area in reaction to this attempt also rendered useless were numerous military infrastructures. Hezbollah attempted a missile attack on northern Israel from Lebanese territory. However, Israeli military unmanned aerial vehicles activated and launched a counterattack on Kwarkila, thwarting Hezbollah's offensive attempt. As a result, the Israeli military's counterattack diminished the regional attack capabilities of the terrorist group Hezbollah. Artillery and airstrikes are being used by the Israeli army as a form of retaliation against Hezbollah's strongholds. This keeps terrorist attacks at bay and also lessens the likelihood of strikes at these locations. The use of unmanned aerial vehicles for surveillance is commonplace. We track the movements of terrorist groups in this manner. We respond instantly if we detect any questionable activity. Precautions taken in good time will prevent terrorists from amassing authority. Israel has made significant progress in numerous areas. The Israeli army moved into the West Bank at this time. The northernmost portion of the West Bank reportedly came under Israeli control. In the past, Israel sent a large number of Merkava tanks to the Jenin area. At this point, Israeli forces raided the positions of the Hamas fighters as a component of the Jenin area raid mission. Tensions rose as a result of numerous terrorist attacks. As a result of the fighting, some militants were neutralized while others were detained. Reportedly, Israeli forces encircled the Jenin area, encircling the militants. Hamas's true positions were revealed as tensions escalated dramatically. Raids on Hamas, strongholds in the area resulted in the seizure of numerous weapons, as previously stated. Because of this, the terrorists couldn't rally in this way and try to flee. It is extremely impossible for the terrorist organization to make any preparations because of Israel's growing dominance in these areas. As a result, numerous terrorists suffer crushing setbacks. The West Bank and Jerusalem are just two of many targets that will see an escalation in Israeli military might. Preventing Hamas from consolidating authority in the area is a surefire way to wipe it out a lot of places are going to beef up their military hardware and get ready for operations. The Israeli military might grow, particularly in the southern and northern regions. At numerous border locations, contingency plans will be in place. Concerned that the scenario could lead to an escalation of the hostilities between Hezbollah and Israel, Lebanon issued significant declarations over the matter. A high-ranking Lebanese official, Has asked other nations to supply additional weaponry in case the fighting gets worse. At this point in time, it appears that international politics dictate how the war develops. The United States and other powerful nations play a significant role here because of the far reaching consequences of Iranian backed group actions in regions like Iraq and Yemen. So, the U.S. is stepping up its military presence, particularly in the region surrounding the Red Sea. Previous assault efforts in Yemen by the Houthi terrorist group opened the Red Sea front. The U.S. Navy sent out a large number of destroyers to sea as a result. Actually, 15 UAVs and four cruise missiles intended for attacks on Israel were shot down over Yemen. Additionally, the war's scope did not broaden due to the strikes that American destroyers averted.
1: If you didn't catch the beginning introduction to that segment, This is a brand new, we just found it here, news outlet that reports directly from that part of the country what's really going on, very objectively. Man, it's kind of good to find a news source that can give us facts without spinning them some way, Democrat, conservative, uh, Republican, whatever. Just give us the truth. But we're going to be bringing reports till this whole thing wraps up over there from this news source every day, and um, look forward to it. It's good to turn to somebody like that, even if it's nothing more than just getting another perspective. Meanwhile, back here in the United States, you may have heard about this, six of the Democrats in Congress have joined House Republicans to block President Biden from turning federal lands into migrant camps. Just six Democrats, just six, joined House Republicans this week to stop the president from turning federal lands into migrant camps for tens of thousands of illegals who have been released all across the United States interior. On Thursday, the House passed Representative Nicole Malatakis' legislation known as the Protecting Our Communities from failure to secure the Border Act to block the federal government from using federal land to house illegals in a 224-203 vote. Mali Otakos had introduced the legislation just as New York Governor Kathy Hochul and New York City Mayor Eric Adams, both Democrats, got approval from the Biden administration to move hundreds and potentially thousands of border crossers and other illegal aliens onto Floyd. Bennett Field, turning our federal parks into encampments for invented migrants from all over the world is unfair to surrounding communities and the taxpayers, by the way, who are being forced to foot the bill while our mayor bankrupts our city, slashes services for citizens of New York City. That's what Malataka said in a statement. This is a historic federally owned airfield that they're talking about, Floyd Bennett Field. It was used by the U.S. Coast Guard and Navy during World War II. Before then, the airfield was also used as New York City's first municipal airport and has had famous guests visited in prior decades, including Howard Hughes and even Howdy Doody. The Biden administration had lobbied Democrats to oppose this legislation, claiming it would limit the powers of the Department of the Interior and the Department of Agriculture. You know, I'm, I'm going to stop right there. We're, we're almost out of time for the show. But let me just say this. Is it just me? I'm asking you this question. Is it just me, or does it seem like every day we run into something that's in the news that shows that President Biden and others in his administration, they give no thought to, no rip whatsoever about taking unilateral control of things in the American people's operations and living that they don't have the permission, they don't have the ability to fairly and legally do things. And they're not stupid. They're not. They may be crazed politically and bent hard to the left. They may be authoritarians. I think many of them are, or they wouldn't be doing this stuff. But here's one thing that really bothers me about our government, that we're seeing it happen now more than I've ever seen it happen. The Biden administration, Joe Biden takes unilateral action, does things, spends money, Not billions of money, but trillions of dollars. And it doesn't come through Congress or its legislation. It's part of legislation that was passed by Congress where all the spending is supposed to be approved. And it's still in the bank. It hasn't been used like it was supposed to be when that bill was passed and signed into law. But it's kind of like it's found money they see laying around on the ground. They just decide to go ahead and do it. And they know in most cases it's going to be questioned in court and there's a likelihood that once this all goes through the court system, the appeals, the filing against the appeals and all of that kind of stuff, that they're going to be able to do most of what they want to do, even if it becomes later on rejected in the judiciary. They'll go, okay, we got a bunch of it already done. We know you can't put you can't go back and undo what you did it just doesn't work that way that is something that is going on that is simply more and more obvious to me every day hey listen thanks for joining us this day this Monday thanks for joining us and being here every day many of you do just that and so even though we talked about a lot of bad things today There's still a lot of good things in our lives. And we're still on top of the ground. How about that? And we're celebrating my favorite time of year, even though bad stuff has happened to me, just like many of you during the Christmas season. But it's time to get set for, and it looks like it's about time for Christmas, don't you think? It's
8: beginning to look a lot like or it's Christmas once a more